Welcome back. This is Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. This is going to be episode episode 12. Thank you for joining me. On tap for today's episode, we're going to talk the usual balls. College football, NFL, sprinkle in some college basketball. want to talk about the NBA. Just talk about some pretty good players that are playing really well right now. Also going to look at the college football playoff and what championship weekend, those implications, what it could have on the college football playoff. And then, I mean, I don't know, maybe if you're lucky, I'll throw in some rapid fire. Like I said, though, first things first, college football, we're going to start it off with that. Two big coaching announcements at the start of this week. Houston coach Tom Herman, the former Buckeyes offensive coordinator who took Houston to such great heights, has decided to accept the job at Texas after Texas got rid of Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong and the Longhorns lost to Kansas. And to put that in perspective, Texas hasn't lost to Kansas. We hadn't even fought World War II. That is ridiculous. I think it was 1938 is when uh, it first, the last time it happened, Kansas beating Texas. The next big hire came out of the SEC this past weekend, and they're going to keep them crawfish bowls down there as long as Ed Orgeron is the coach, and luckily he is. He's going to bring them good grits and good. Really like the hire by LSU. They took the interim tag off of Orgeron, and Orgeron, his first big move, he wants to bring in Lane Kiffin from Alabama to be his OC. That would be a huge get for recruiting offensive players because Kiffin is an offensive wizard, and LSU has struggled the past couple years with their offense. Orgeron and Kiffin, 2017, get it trending. I would love to see it happen. Love the hire by the Tigers. Next, for college football, I want to talk about the crazy good football games we got this past weekend. I can't, just so many good games. First one, obviously, you got to talk about the top three matchup between the second-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes and then the third-ranked Michigan Wolverines in Columbus. It was a hell of a game. 30-27, the Buckeyes pulled out a win. They come back from 10-point deficit in the second half. After the game, Jim Harbaugh was not happy with the officiating at all. Some questionable calls by the refs is what he's saying. Wasn't very happy with the spot on the field on the big fourth down and overtime where JT Barrett took it to the left on a quarterback sneak. Personally, I would have given it to Mike Weber, but I'm a huge Mike Weber fan. In the end, though, you got to remember, the yellow line is not official, folks. On the field, it's the chains and what the referees see, and they saw it fit to give them the first down. You know what you should be upset about, Harbaugh? You should be upset about the next play where your team gave up the touchdown on the freaking jet sweep to Curtis Samuel. Also, you should be upset at your team for blowing the 10-point lead that they had, Harbaugh. You should be upset that you didn't capitalize and win this game. That's what you should be upset about, not the officiating. Like I said, to recap this game pretty much in a nutshell, Buckeyes showed how resilient they are, 
and how good they are. Their defense is so good. Two defensive touchdowns on pick on uh, interceptions off Spate, who I'll be honest, I didn't think he was going to play, but a lot of toughness shown by that kid. I'll give him that. Jabril Peppers didn't have that good of a day. There was one play where uh, JT Barrett took off and outran him for a good 10 to 15 yards. Not really a good showing by him for his Heisman campaign. If you still think at this point he has a chance to win, I think you're crazy. In the end, though, Buckeyes win a huge game, 30-27 in double overtime. This last game is really the only other game I want to break down and look at pretty heavily. It was a hometown game, so it has a special place in my heart. The 11th-ranked Louisville Cardinals against the UK Wildcats. The game was in the oven at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium in Louisville. Louisville coming off of that devastating loss the previous week on Friday night when they lost to Houston at Houston, kind of ending Louisville's college football playoff hopes. And you would have thought Bobby Petrino would have had these guys coming out playing mad. Sources inside the team said uh, Bobby was pretty pissed off the entire week. And then other sources inside the team have said um, players kind of just didn't care. Their give a shitter was broke. And I don't think that really came off in the game. It looked like they cared. They played hard. But in the end, Kentucky, I don't know how they did it. They pulled a rabbit out of their hat. And they win this game 41-38 on a last-second field goal. And it was just wonderful to watch as a Kentucky fan. One note, though, um, Steven Johnson put himself in Kentucky lore for ages to come. He is now a Kentucky legend because of how well he played. Um, Led the team in passing, obviously. Led the team in rushing. And then Garrett Johnson, two touchdowns on the day, receiving-wise. Juice got loose in a big way. Uh, Keeping the conversation about Johnson going, if Drew Barker thinks he's going to get his job back next year. That is ludicrous to think. I I just can't see Stoops putting him back in. Over Granted, it will be Johnson's senior year. So Barker, though, where he came from as a highly tattered recruit, and then Pat, uh, Patrick Tolles transferring this past year, and then him starting the year and then losing it because Johnson had to step in once he got hurt, and Johnson playing just so well. Um, once he was put in. I just don't see Barker getting his job back. Also to talk about for Kentucky fans, what this win means just means so much for UK. Where they started the year 0-2 after the losses to Florida getting blown out. Didn't even look like they wanted to play. And then um, losing the first game against Southern Miss, letting them come back in the second half is just so so ridiculous how far they've come and how much they've transformed over the year. Um, It was pointed out to me, maybe that if they didn't lose those two games, they wouldn't have changed so much throughout the year and been where they're at now going for, uh, going for their eighth win in the bowl game, which has been rumored to be music city and then the Belk bowl. And now it's rumored it's the tax layers bowl down in Jacksonville, hoping, I think all UK fans are hoping for the music city bowl. Granted, it's not, as high profile of a uh, game as the Belk and Tax Slayer Bowl, but it's much closer to Lexington and the state of Kentucky. Either way, no matter where it's at, BBN travels so well. Also, if you do look at it, say Kentucky does beat Southern Miss. 
That's the eighth win. And then the Georgia game came down to a last-second field goal. You make one or two plays in that game, you might win it. So that's nine wins. Could you imagine if Kentucky was going for its 10th win in its bowl game? That is monstrous for this program, for Stoops, and the whole culture of football in Lexington at UK. Always thought of as a basketball school, and yes, that is true. And there have been years when UK football has been okay, going to okay bowls, but 10 wins as an SEC school would have been ridiculous, especially at the beginning of the year. Just the whole goal this year was bowl game, and we got that. We should be happy for that, but looking back, if I wanted to be greedy as a UK fan, I could say we win those two games, we're at nine wins, and we should or could have been going for our 10th in the bowl game. Now, on the flip side, looking at this for the U of L fans, where do the Cardinals go now? Lamar Jackson goes to New York, he wins the Heisman. That's used. Nobody should argue that. There are no arguments for that. Even in defeat, he had a great game this past weekend. Yeah, I know he lost the fumble that gave UK the chance to win, but if you he still played a good game. And if you think there's a better college football player in the nation, you're ridiculous. You're dead wrong. While that is true, there is also a big negative. They lose their last two games. They're 9-3. and three. It's so difficult to come out and then come out of the season losing your last two games and trying to get your players up and ready for what is probably going to be just a little bit better than a middle-of-the-road bowl game. I haven't heard any rumors of where they're going to go, but at last, even after the Houston loss, they were still going to go to the Orange Bowl, which is a great bowl, would have been considered a BCS bowl in past eras. But now, 9-3, and three, losing the last two games, going to be hard for them to come out with a lot of energy a lot of purpose in that last game for L fans though I hope they do win that but it's going to be so difficult for them to do that and to think where they thought they were going to be in the middle of the season they were thinking college football playoff Heisman for Lamar Heisman for Lamar is going to happen but to go from the mindset of we have a chance at the college football playoff to losing and going to 9-3 and three on the year is just so heartbreaking for not only the team, but for the fans of UofL. So I'm hoping they can win that bowl game and get to 10 wins. Now, since I began recording this, Oregon has fired its head coach, Mark Helfrich. Oregon had a real difficult season this year, did not live up to expectations. They were ranked in the top 25 at the beginning of the year. Um, Their biggest win was a Hail Mary pass at the end of the game against Utah, I believe. Um, Don't know who they're even looking at to replace their old coach. Um, Chip Kelly is going to be mentioned just because of the success he had there. But honestly, right now, I have no idea where the Ducks are going to turn for an answer for the 2017 season. Now that that's out of the way... I don't want to look at any more games. There's not really any other news to talk about besides the college football playoff rankings that have come out since I began recording this episode. The top four, you got Alabama number one. No surprise there. Ohio State stays at second after its big win against Michigan this past weekend. Third, you got Clemson. And then fourth, rejoining the party, you got Washington. Behind them, in order, you got Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, Colorado, Oklahoma to round out the top 10 with Oklahoma State. One thing I want to say 
the Big Ten to have four teams in the top ten. Almost half of the top ten is amazing for that conference. There were a time in the past couple years everyone thought it was pretty much just Ohio State and then everyone else, but to see teams like Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan under hardball getting revitalized, it's just great for the landscape of the Big Ten and college football when the Big Ten is consistently good. Now, speaking of the Big Ten, this is where things get a little bit sticky, a little bit messy. Okay, the Big Ten championship game is going to be Wisconsin versus Penn State. In my opinion, Michigan-Ohio State, the two best teams in the Big Ten, but that's not up for debate right now. If Wisconsin wins, it's going to take a lot for them to get in. They have two losses. Granted, they're both to Michigan and Ohio State, who are damn good, and they were close games pretty much, but they don't have that signature win for me that is going to wow them on the resume. Granted, they could get one this weekend against Penn State and be the Big Ten champions, but I just don't think the resume is good enough. But if you want to say like team-wise, I think their defense is the best in the country and one of the most complete defenses. And kind of besides the quarterback position, probably one of the most complete teams in the country. Now, on the other hand, we look at Penn State. If Penn State happens to win this, you could maybe see them get in the fourth spot, but that would take some losses ahead of them. Penn State beat Ohio State. They lost to Pittsburgh, who Pittsburgh now is 25th, so that's not a terrible loss, but they got obliterated by Michigan. So it's hard for me, no matter either of those teams, if they win the Big Ten, to put them in just because the resumes just aren't good enough for me. I, It's hard to say because they've, they'll have a conference championship on their resume, which the committee in the past has shown is very important. But besides that, really, I just don't see enough to put either team in. In the Pac-12, the fourth-ranked Huskies of Washington are going to be playing Colorado. The committee better be rooting for Washington because if Washington loses, a whole lot of chaos chaos is going to ensue. Colorado, if they win, um, I don't foresee them getting in. If Washington wins, obviously I think they're going to be in. I don't think you lose your spot if you win your conference, especially as the fourth person in there. If Washington wins, it's kind of a win-in-your-in situation, I feel like. Now, to go to the ACC, third-ranked Clemson is going to play 23rd-ranked Virginia Tech. It's hard for me to see Virginia Tech winning this game. Clemson, Deshaun Watson just has, I think, too much firepower, and Clemson's defense is really, really good. Um... I don't want to discredit what Virginia Tech has done this year under first-year head coach, especially how difficult they can be. But to have them 23rd and in the ACC championship game um, speaks a lot to that team. Probably going to be a close game, but Clemson's going to win it in the end, I feel like. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Ohio State and Michigan don't have games this week, so they're kind of just sitting there. Ohio State, I feel like they're firmly in it. I don't know how you could say they're not. Their strengths of wins is third in the country. Their strength of schedule was 14th. They beat Michigan. They beat Nebraska. They beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma. They beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. 
their only mess up this year was at Penn State on a very fluky um, blocked field goal. So it's just, I feel like this team, their defense, their offense is probably one of the only teams in the country that could run and play with Alabama. So I think they're safe. Maybe if you want to reposition them, if Clemson is just super um, impressive against Virginia Tech. But either way, like, if Clemson and Ohio State switch, they're still going to end up playing each other in the football playoff. So probably not a lot of reason to do that. But Ohio State, I think, is firmly in. Now we move to the SEC championship game between Alabama, number one in the country, against 15th-ranked Florida. Florida pretty much doesn't have anything to lose in this game. If they win, like, I could see them moving into the top 10. If they lose, they'll still be in the top 25 because they lost to the number one ranked team in the country. But I do want to run this idea by you. Say Alabama loses. Do they even deserve a spot in the college football playoff? Everyone that they've beat this year is at the end, isn't ranked. I mean, Texas A&M was not as good as we thought they were when they played Alabama. They were fourth. Uh, No, they were not fourth. They were, I think, eighth. But then Texas A&M was fourth when the first college football rankings came out. Ole Miss was in the top 15 when Alabama played them, but now they're five and seven. LSU was 21st. That's one of their better wins. But Tennessee's 22nd, so 21 and 22 are their best win. I mean, Auburn's 14th, but they're 8-4. and four, And the reason they're there is just because the play, the teams they've lost to are good. I think the SEC was super down this year, and Alabama's kind of just getting the benefit of the doubt for being in the SEC and being Alabama. If I'm being honest, if they lose against Florida, I don't have them in my college football playoff. I don't care if they're one loss or anything. You're not the SEC champion, and you only beat three top 20 teams and they're really not top 20 teams if you 20 top 25 excuse me but they're really not top 25 teams in my opinion I mean Tennessee vastly underachieved LSU turned it around under Orgeron but they're not a complete team and not that good I mean Auburn has four losses and they're all against just other SEC teams and they're getting the benefit of the doubt just like Alabama did so If Alabama loses, like I said, I'm not putting them in my college football playoff. In all honesty, though, if I'm a fan, I would love to see Alabama, Clemson, and Washington lose just so the committee loses their fucking mind. Do you know how difficult that would be for them to rank teams and everything like that? I would love to have that chaos and see how the committee reacts. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I really don't. But, oh, I would live to see that happen. Oh, my goodness. It would be probably one of the best days of my life. So now the rankings for college football, the last college football playoff rankings, are going to be released Sunday at noon. And here's what I think it's going to be. Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Washington 3rd, Ohio State 4th. Ohio State's fourth just because they're going to be the only team in there that's not a conference championship, a conference champion. So, Alabama versus Ohio State, and then Clemson versus Washington. I'll take Clemson over Washington because I don't think Washington has enough firepower to stay with Clemson. And like I said, Clemson's defense is super good. And then Ohio State, Alabama, 
a rematch of the 2014 Sugar Bowl. I'm going to go with Ohio State just because I think it's going to be a high-powered offensive type game, and I think Ohio State has one or two more playmakers than Alabama does, and I think Ohio State's defense isn't talked about enough. I think they come up with a big play or two and somehow upset the God, like the almighty Alabama Crimson Tide. Then after that, Clemson, Ohio State. I have no th- nothing to say there. Buckeyes, that's my breakdown. Buckeyes winning that. National champions, why not? So all the important games I've already covered in the college football playoff um, review, recap, whatever you want to call it. So I'm not going to be looking forward next week. It's conference championship week. You know what they are. Um, you know the importance. Hope you all don't get mad at me for not talking about them because I already kind of did in my breakdown. So with that being said, we can finally move on to the guys that get paid, or at least the guys we know that get paid, the NFL. And boy, what a week it was. One of the first games I actually want to look at and talk about, Cowboys against the Redskins on Thanksgiving Day. Redskins played really well. Kirk Cousins played real well. Um, There was a big kind of rivalry in between the game in itself between Josh Norman and Des Bryant. Des Bryant only had 76 yards, and uh, I, like Josh Norman kind of shut him down. He didn't really shut him down because he had 76 yards, but not a super explosive day, and Des Bryant was mouthing off. I don't like Josh Norman, but on this case, I'm going to side with Josh Norman because he only had 76 yards. Like that's You're really not helping the team. Cowboys, though, have been on an incredible tear lately. 10th straight win. Ezekiel Elliott... Um, has 1,500 yards. Dak Prescott is just having a great year in replacement for Tony Romo. I cannot stress how impressive this is to be doing it with two rookies on the team as pretty much as your main contributors on offense. It just speaks to the coaching and then, I guess, Jerry Jones and his scouting of these players. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, that was an obvious choice there because he was one of the best players in the draft. But to go get Dak Prescott when he did, I mean, he's not a normal NFL quarterback. I mean, he's he's adjusting to it, but it's just super impressive that Dak Prescott is panning out as well as he is. All right, the next game to look at in depth, a little bit more than what we normally would for the rapid fire. Going to look at the Sunday night game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. It was an overtime game. It was an incredible game. I can't stress the Chiefs won 30-27 in overtime. It was a great game. The Chiefs are a team that I really like. Their offense is very surgical. It gets the job done, and their defense is extremely good. I think if they had one really big type receiver like an Alshon Jeffrey, a uh, Mike Evans, uh, Calvin Johnson when he played, Larry Fitzgerald in his heyday, a player like that, a guy that can just go up and get it because they have Tyreek Hill who is a very good playmaking guy and then Jeremy Macklin is a nice little complimentary guy but they don't have that one go up and get it guy. I think if they get one of those... They could be contenders in the AFC for so long. That's kind of their only weakness I kind of see because their tight end and other positions with Kelsey and then Tyreek Hill. Alex Smith has revitalized his career in San Francisco and then comes over here and just keeps it up. Probably the ultimate game manager 
Um, Andy Reid has been criticized in his past for his coaching, but has coached very well the last two years. I really like what Kansas City is doing. If I had to pick a new team to like, they'd probably be it. On the other then on the other end though, in overtime, uh, Gary Kubiak went with a very questionable call. It was a 62-yard field goal. They missed. That gave the Chiefs very good field position. Trevor Simeon played a really good game. Almost 400 yards, three touchdowns. Can't fault him. Like I said, and you can't really fault Denver's defense. It was just a really good game. Um, right now, if the AFC, if the season ended, the AFC West is putting these two teams in and the Raiders. That is just you know, so impressive to have three playoff teams out of the six or eight. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'll write, not right off. I don't know how many teams get in from each, but that is just very impressive. I feel like. It's six. It is six because four divisionals and then two wild cards. I should know that. It's simple math, Carson. But like I said, a great game to watch. Love staying up and watching it. And at the end, uh, Kansas City's kicker, to win the game, hits it off the post and it ricochets, barely sneaking behind the other crossbar. It was beautiful. This is what a football game should be. Last game we're going to talk about, Monday night game, the Packers beat the Eagles 27-13, and the big story in this one, Aaron Rodgers looked like the Aaron Rodgers of old, 30-39, 313 yards and two touchdowns, um, he thinks they can win out, it also helped because James Starks was back, and the run game was enough to complement the pass game, but it still wasn't very good. Starks had 17 carries, and on those carries, he only had 41 yards, so not really good stat line, but it was enough to complement Rodgers so they could get the play action, the deep ball, all that stuff working. Like I said, Rodgers thinks they can win out, finish the year 10-6. and six. Uh, I doubt that. I don't like what the Packers are doing right now. I think in the NFC North, it's the Lions division to lose. And I could see them maybe being 9-7, which is just a far cry from how good people thought they were going to be at the start of the year. But I just don't see them winning out like Aaron Rodgers thinks. And I don't think he's going to be playing as well as he did in this game continuously. I could be wrong, but... uh, The man doesn't like his family, so I can't see how well he's going to do on the football field. I know those two things don't connect, but still, I don't like Aaron Rodgers now because he doesn't like his family, so I doubt he's going to perform at this high of a level consistently. You people, and I don't mean anything by you people, know what that sound means. It's time for your rapid-fire NFL recap. Let's go. Boom! On Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, the Colts tried to buck the Steelers, but Big Ben said no. Kind of a little change of events there. Steelers win this one, 28-7. Boom! The Chicago Bears hope to not remember these Titans. The Titans go into Chicago and win this game, 27-21. Boom! Tyrod Taylor's got the people of Buffalo saying dollar dollar bills, y'all, as the returning Sammy Sprinkler Watkins, because he gets all the ladies wet, and the Bills beat the Jaguars 28-21. Boom! Just hold it right there, because the Ravens beat the Bengals 19-14 on a crazy last play. Next game, boom! It was a bird game, so you know what that means. To quote the famous rapper Drake, I'm still fly, I'm sky high, and I dare anybody to try and cut my wings. It could be clip, I'm not really sure. But the Falcons did just that to the Arizona Cardinals, 38-19. The New York Giants and Odell Beckham, or should it be Odell Reckham, beat the 
Browns, 27-13. Odell with two touchdowns. Next game, boom, the Seahawks go to Tampa Bay where the Buccaneers keep all the booty because the Seahawks were like a pimple-covered guy at prom, just couldn't score, only putting up five points at the Buccaneers win 14-5. Next game, boom, Derek Carr and the rest of the Raiders have all the Cholos leading. Elbows up, side to side. L elbows up, side to side. As they pull out a close one, 35-32 over the Panthers. Dab on that one, why don't you, Cam? Last game, boom, the Jets got to take off but had to make a real emergency landing as the Patriots won this one, 22-17 in a big rivalry game and a big game in the AFC East. That's your NFL rapid fire for this week. I hope you enjoyed it, and as always, wait for it, wait for it, let, let the tension build, the anticipation's mounting, boom! With all that being said, it's time to look at next week's NFL games, and I'm trying to keep this episode a little bit shorter than what it normally is, so I'm only going to touch on the games I feel that are important. If I leave your team out, I'm sorry. They're just not important enough. First game, Cowboys against the Vikings. Vikings defense is still very good. I want to see how well Ezekiel Elliott and Dak go against them. I really want to see how well Ezekiel Elliott's going to. I'll take the Cowboys. Um, not by a lot, but I'll take the Cowboys to get their 11 straight win. The next game, the Chiefs versus the Falcons. Both of these games, very important for teams to keep them their positions in the playoffs. I'll go with the Falcons just because I think the Chiefs might be riding a little too high off that mile-high win they got last Sunday night, but it's still going to be a great game. I can't wait to watch it, but in the end, Falcons going to win it. The next game, kind of the same story. Very important game between the Lions and the Saints. Important just to see if they can keep their standings in the playoffs and stay in the hunt. I like the Saints in this one. I feel they're a little bit more desperate. I don't think the Lions defense is good enough to slow down the Saints. The Saints defense is barely good enough to stop anyone, but this week I'll give it to the Saints. The next game we get to look at, the 7-4 Dolphins play the 6-5 Ravens. I like the Dolphins in this game. The Finns are going to just be flying. Ryan Tannehill and that defense has been playing a lot better from what they have been in the start of the year. It's a big game, like I said, for the previous two games. It's a big game for both of these teams to just keep in the hunt for the playoffs. Right now, the Ravens are tied with the Steelers and the AFC North, and the Dolphins are kind of inching their way up to a wild card. Um, It'd be big if the AFC East could get two teams in with the Patriots and the Dolphins. Um, The Dolphins have been the team, apparently, for the last couple years that everybody thinks is going to surprise people in the AFC, and they just haven't done it. This could be their year to kind of sneak into the playoffs and maybe be a little dangerous team. And then the last game I'm really going to talk about, the Giants go to the Steelers, and the Giants are one of the most quiet 8-3 teams in the NFL. In this game, I like the Giants over the Steelers. I don't think the Steelers' defense is going to be good enough to stop Odell and uh, Sterling Shepard. And then the big question, are the Giants going to be able to run the ball if they can't? I do like the Steelers because I think the Steelers are going to be able to put up enough points against the Giants' kind of weak secondary. Um even though they do have Landon Collins and Eli Apple, and their front seven is very underrated with Olivier Vernon, JPP, and then uh, Hankins in the middle. But key to the game, I think if the Giants can control the play, uh, the time of possession, and keep the Steelers um, 
I guess, high-powered offense off the field, then the Giants have a really good chance. If they can't, then I think the Steelers have a really good chance. In the end, though, I got the Giants in this one. Now we get to switch things up completely. We're not even going to talk about those footballs. We're going to be talking about college basketball. Like I mentioned on my podcast two weeks ago, college basketball is my favorite sport out of every sport. I love watching it, whether it's freaking the worst teams in it or the two best teams. And right now, um, the beginning of the year, you get so many great matchups and so many good games. Right now, Tonight was the start of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, Michigan State is playing Duke. It's top, It's uh, 44-45 Duke. Story with Duke, the highly touted freshmen they all brought in are all dealing with nagging injuries. But uh, Luke Kennard and Grayson Allen and Emil Jefferson, Matt Jones are all stepping up, filling in. Um, I like what Duke is doing. If they get those players back, like I said last week, I definitely think they can make a deep run. Michigan State, on the other hand, they've had so many tough games so far. They've had to play Baylor, Arizona. Now they have to play Duke. Um, They had to play Wichita State, who I really like this year. Very under the radar, losing Stephen Van Fleet, I think is how you say his name, and Ron Baker, who felt like he was there for 100 years. Um... I really like Wichita State and what they do and how they play. A little under the radar. Keep an eye on them come March. Other games to look at from the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Syracuse went to Wisconsin and Wisconsin beat the doors off of them, 77-60. Bayheim and the patented Syracuse zone wasn't enough. The Nigel Hayes for Wisconsin, I Cannot wait till he leaves Wisconsin so I can finally root for him because I love how he plays basketball. Um, he seems like a really cool, down-to-earth guy, too. Nigel, when you're in the NBA, if you want to grab a beer, let me know. I'll be glad to go with you. Um, he is my early pick to be Big Ten champ, uh, Big Ten Player of the Year, and I just like the way he plays. He almost had a triple-double tonight. He came up one point short, but the way he was passing the ball, he's not shown that in the past, and... His ability to score, I would like to see him improve that a little bit, but his rebounding and assist and his wanting to get other players involved is just so nice to see out of a good player who normally is just like, when good players are good, they're normally just scores, but he just wants to get everybody else involved, which I think is so good to see out of a, I would say a superstar because he is probably one of the best players in college basketball. People, you could probably draw him to a less athletic a little bit smaller Jamon Green, but I feel like that's what he brings to the table on the next level. So I, like I said, I really like what Wisconsin has in Nigel Hayes. Some other teams and other players to look at. Tomorrow, again in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Purdue goes to Louisville. Louisville, I like what they do. Up and down the court, very fast. very The defensive and the press they do is top-notch. Rick Pitino, though, said this is an offensive team. It's a lot easier to work on offense, he said, than try and teach a whole group of guys how to play defense, which could be a little concerning because in the past, he's always, always implemented the press, and it has worked beautifully. On the other hand, Purdue's front line is one of the best in the country, if not the best. I'm super excited to watch this game, see how UofL's bigs uh, handle that, how well Jalen Johnson and uh, Raymond Spalding can handle that. Both of these teams are going to be contenders in their conferences and great teams to watch come March. I'm real excited for this matchup early on in the season. Last college basketball game I want to talk about, and we'll wrap this up. UNC goes to Indiana tomorrow. Indiana's 13th in the country, but I still think they're going to win the national championship. They 
are a great team that spreads the floor. They all can shoot threes. Then they got a guy down low. Um, hold on one second. I'll pull up his name real quick. Um, I apologize about the ums and the long pause. Thomas Bryant, their center. I love how he plays. He's honestly, him and Nigel Hayes right there for me um, in the college basketball for the Big Ten for players of the year. And then they got a great scorer in James Blackman Jr. who missed most of last year with an injury, but he's coming back and scoring. Um, Indiana just has a lot of guys that are tall, can stretch the floor and shoot threes really well. UNC, though, coming off of the national championship game last year in that just heartbreaking loss. They bring back Joel Berry, the second, the guard, 17 points uh, game. He's shooting 55.1%, and then they got down low. They got Kendi Meeks, and I can't speak to you enough about I feel like his drive and passion for the game is so – it's there. You can tell. When he came in, I, don't, I can't tell you how much he weighed, but it was probably close to 280, maybe 300 pounds, and he has slimmed down so much. He runs the floor. I could see him being at 245, 250 right now, but that is probably all muscle because he is physical. I love the way he plays. He's a banger, and he runs the floor. I like what UNC is doing right now. Tomorrow, though, I think being at Indiana, that crazy environment, Indiana's going to take that one. And then hopefully, like I said, take it all the way in March. The last team I want to talk about for the college basketball season so far is UK, the number one team in the country. Darren Fox just had a a triple-double, second one in UK's history, which is so hard to believe, but it was only the second one. Bam Adebayo isn't... They're just yet as physical and as talented as he is. We thought, I personally thought, and I feel like BBN has thought as well, that he'd be making his presence known a little bit more so far in the games. He hasn't. Um, It's very hard, I feel like, for big men to adjust to the fouls and the hand-checking and whatnot. I think he's still doing that, but once he figures it out, he is Mr. Energy. We have two Mr. Energies, honestly. Um, I'll talk about other Mr. Energy in a second, but... The way Bam plays is 100% all the time, and I love it. And like I said, once he figures out the offense a little bit more, how to get his own shot, how to use his body to score, um, and figures out kind of the foul and how that works and hand checks and whatnot, BBN is going to be so pleased with the way he plays. The next guy, Mr. Energy for UK, I want to talk about Wenyan Gabriel. If you turn the lights out, you can't see him, so thank God they play in the light. Super Mr. Energy is a great guy off the bench. Um, I love watching him play because his motor is always going. Like I said, Bam gives 100% all the time. I feel like Wenyan gives 200% all the time. That's just how motivated and active he is on both ends of the floor. Going after rebounds, trying to get steals, diving on the floor. I love it. Another guy to look at, Derek Willis, the senior. He's hitting a lot of good shots, being open, doing what is best for the team, just doing what his strengths are, hitting threes, hitting mid-range jumpers, and like that, and providing leadership. Speaking of leadership, the sophomore Isaiah Briscoe is playing really well. He's doing a better job of shooting, driving. He's always aggressive, just like he was last year. I really like the leadership and the aspect of the team he brings. And then speaking of aspects and team and bringing and just positives, Malik Monk has played super well. He struggled with his shot the first couple games, but then the Michigan State game really turned it on. And I feel like he's found his groove after that. And it's just super exciting to see all of 
of these guys coming together, being unselfish and playing really well. They beat a Power 5 team last night in Arizona down in Atlantis by over 25, I think. It was more than 30, honestly, I think. But it's just super impressive to see how well these guys are doing. They still have the game coming up against Louisville at Louisville, which is going to be a crazy game. It's going to be a nice test for them. <laughs> this Saturday, they have a good game against uh, Lorenzo Ball, I believe his name is, from UCLA. He was top five player in the country coming out of uh, high school, and I think UK recruited him as well. He chose to go to UCLA on the Bruins. It's going to be a real tough test for the Cats. It helps that it's in Lexington at Rupp. I expect him to win, but it's going to be a good game. Both traditional powerhouses. I think UCLA could be on the way back. Um, It's going to be a lot on Lorenzo Ball, but... In the end, though, Cats win this game and then just keep progressing, and they could be real dangerous come March. All right, I know I only mentioned a couple balls at the start of this podcast, but I'm going to give you a little bonus ball. Tiger Woods is back this week, so that bonus ball is going to be golf. All it's really going to focus on is Tiger Woods, obviously. Um, I don't really know about him this week. I've seen videos of his new swing um, in the past, I would say from 2008 until I guess he's had all the injuries, I feel like his swing on the downswing, he has thrown all of his weight and body and everything into the downswing to just generate power. And the couple of videos I've seen of his new swing, it just seems a lot more fluid. He's not trying to transfer all the weight or anything like that and put all of his power into it. I think he's letting his legs do a lot more of the work rather than his upper body and whatnot, but... The big question with Tiger is, is he ever going to win another major? The answer to that is yes. I feel like he's going to win three more majors, honestly. You saw Jack Nicklaus. He won the Masters at uh, 46. Tiger is 40 right now, or 38, somewhere in there. All it takes is one good week. And Tiger is probably the most dominant golfer ever. So I think he's got a few more good weeks in him. And... You could say that the young guns now, they've never had to experience Tiger being at a leaderboard or being around on Sunday afternoon, and the game's greats right now, Jordan Spieth, McElroy, um, Dustin Johnson, they've never really had to fear Tiger coming back, and I mean, you could honestly argue that, why would they fear him? He hasn't shown up, hasn't played well in big majors, and hasn't really been in contention in majors in the past, I guess, eight well, eight years, yeah. Um In the end, though, I think Tiger gets three more. That's a real bold claim. I understand that. Make Sundays great again. Return the roar, Tiger. I would love to see it. I know a lot of people would love to see it, and the entire golf world would love to see it. We're all behind you, Tiger. Good luck this week, and good luck in the rest of your tournaments you play. And those are all the balls we're going to talk this week. I'm so glad you joined me. I hope last week you enjoyed the time off for Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving break, the times with family and friends, and hopefully the football you got to watch because it was a great week and weekend of football. As always, the continued support from you, the listeners, is greatly appreciated. I have people that come up and tell me they love the show, they listen to the show whenever they can. Thank you. It is always appreciated. I cannot thank you all enough. Um, If you want to share it, go and share it, retweet it, like it on Facebook, like it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, whatever. Anything you all want to do to get it in front of more people's eyes and then in turn in more people's ears, 
please do. It means the world to me for you all to support. Thank you, as always. And as always, we'll be seeing you.